Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sunday School at Second Baptist. I'm glad you could be with me today. I'm videotaping this from my home office um, this week because uh, Clint and I are trying to quarantine ourselves. We don't have COVID, but my mother and my sister do, and we've been trying to help them this week in um, getting them to the hospital for infusions and um, other things. And so, you know, we tried to limit our exposure, but still there's a chance that we were exposed. And, you know, I'm thankful um, that they were vaccinated because they've certainly had a bad time of it. And I can't imagine what it would have been like if they had not been vaccinated. Both of them have some serious health issues. And so we're grateful for that vaccination for them. And I'd appreciate your prayers as they recover. And they do seem to be slightly improved. Um, as far as, as ourselves, you know, we, we are vaccinated. But certainly we don't want to catch it because we've seen what they've been through. And I don't think anyone, um, you know, should willfully go through that if they don't have to. So we're trying our best. Anyway, thank you for your prayers, and we've certainly been praying for a lot of the church members and others that we know who have had a similar experience and been very sick. And um, so just know that we are thinking of you and we are praying for you um, as a church and as, you know, speaking for myself and Clint, um, that we are praying for you. So let's get started in our Bible study today, and we're going to conclude Ecclesiastes today. This has been an interesting book to study through. As we've seen King Solomon uh, observe the world and all the activities of the world and try to put that into some kind of a perspective. And... You know, there are conclusions that we've drawn along the way. Um, our book mentions 10 of them. I'm not going to read the list. But, um, you know, the idea that time is a gift from God, that we should be obedient to God, that God is in control. He has a bigger picture than we do. Um, that His, the things that he does are eternal, where our things are temporary and other themes like that throughout this book that we've studied. And so we're now going to look at chapter 12, which is the final chapter. And let's get started on that. I, um, in, in my version, it's, I'll, I'll read chap, um, verse 1 and then I'll um, talk about it. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no delight in them. So, that also that he put in there, uh, remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Since he put the also, then I begin to think, what does that go with? You know, because it's not just... Um, a manner of speech, but it went with some other things that came before. 
And what was before is that he's um, he was talking about young life and how you you do all the things with zeal and passion and um, you follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes um, and you know in the previous chapter then he's talking about sow your seed in the morning and don't be idle in the evening for you don't know whether the morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good I think of I think of that in terms of doing the work of the gospel you know a youthful person has that eager enthusiasm and they can do a lot of things and have influence on people but an elderly person speaks from wisdom and sometimes can say a word to someone that will have a meaning to them that will change their lives that will cause them to reflect on Jesus and so we should sow our seed all the way up until the day we die if possible um, but so where he's he's talking about so the also kind of refers to that previous chapter so he says remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say I have no delight in them so he is the word remember <clears throat> Um, has the idea, I looked that one up and tried to study on it just a little bit. It doesn't just mean remember like you remember from yesterday. It's not like that. It's more of the idea of commit to memory or preserve the memory of. And so what he's saying is fix the memory of your creator in your mind in the days of your youth and I think that's a really important way to look at it because um, how do you fix the memory of your Creator into your mind well that that would come what by Bible study by communicating with God by being around Christians who uh, will speak into your life and by thinking of the attributes of God and all of the different things that God is and so uh, so then you know he says remember or preserve the memory of your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you say I have no delight in them because you know as we age and you come to a time in your life where you're just tired you know you you maybe feel like you've you've worn yourself out you know you've done all that you could do you're tired and so at that point you need to have fixed in your mind already your creator and all that he means to you and the fact that he is there with you in the latter days just as he was in the early days and so you know it it becomes very important for you to have um, your relationship with God secured in your mind and in your heart 
And then let's go on to verse 2. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened, and clouds return after the rain. Okay, now Solomon is starting to describe uh, what it's like to be old. And I think he's doing it in a poetic form, but we can... Um, we can, you know, draw out from it what he's talking about. And I feel like he's speaking as an old man because I don't think he could easily even think that these conclusions are important unless he had lived through some of them. So, and, you know, in my mind, Solomon said these things in Ecclesiastes toward the end of his life as he was an older person. And so... When he talks about the sun and, and the light, the moon, the stars are darkened, and clouds return after the rain, I think he's he's also referring to, um, you know, how it can be to be elderly and to feel um, easily, to feel despondent or depressed, you know, to feel like, okay, I see the end of life coming, or you know, my body's falling apart, or I've got these ailments that hurt all the time, the arthritis or whatever it is, you know, that can seem like, almost like a, a thunderstorm or a, a dreary, rainy day, you know, at so many days. And so that's one thing that he's referring to. And then let's go on to verse 3. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim. Now he's referring to the deterioration of our bodies, where he says the watchmen of the house tremble. The, your, your arms would be the, the watchmen of the house. You, you would strongly defend your house, and now your, your hands may be shaky. And mighty men stoop, that would be your legs, you know, your legs become uh, not as strong as they were when they were mighty men and could take you anywhere. <clears throat> the grinding ones stand idle because they are few. I think that's, you know, it makes me smile when I read that one, but obviously we know that he's talking about the teeth and how there might not be as many of them as there were before and... Uh, they can't seem to do the job that they used to do. And then those who look through windows grow dim. And, of course, that would be the eyes, you know, begin to fail us. And we don't see things uh, as well. And then let's go on to verse 4. And the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. So the doors being shut, you know, might be your hearing begins to go, and it's as though someone shut a door. You can't hear the world anymore. Uh, and you and the um, it says the daughters of song will sing softly. So the things that you used to be able to hear really well, now it just seems like everything is a little bit harder to hear it. And then he talks about uh, one arising at the sound of the bird, meaning... Uh, maybe how you might not sleep well and you might wake up so early in the morning uh, because you have not slept well. Then let's go on to verse 5. Furthermore, 
Men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective, for man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about the street. Okay, so here he refers to several things. Um, men are afraid of a high place and terrors on the road, so, you know, you may become afraid of having an accident or having a fall or having an, a traffic accident or things like that. Um, terrors on the road, you know, could also be uh, becoming afraid of a burglary or things like that. Um, the almond tree blossoms, our, our book said that that was referring to the white um, flowers of the almond tree and how um, our hair turns white. And the grasshopper dragging himself along, we just don't have that skip anymore, do we? <laughs> I'm speaking for myself on all of these. And the caperberry is ineffective. There were a couple of different choices on what that might mean. Um, including loss of appetite, and then uh, man goes to his eternal home while mourners go along in the street. Now, um, he mentions the eternal home, and I think that's worth taking note of because, you know, at that time when Solomon lived, um, the idea that when you died, you were just gone was also a very prevalent thought. And so to speak of an eternal home is important, that Solomon had come to that conclusion. Now let's go to verse 6. Remember him, the Creator. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered, and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. So, he's he's referring now to death uh, coming, and he describes it in different ways here. And maybe there are other meanings of this, but I think basically it's all kind of talking about the end of all of you know life. He says the silver cord is broken as though there's a cord uh, of silver between us and life and then that cord will be broken when we go to our eternal home. The golden bowl is crushed. Maybe that gives the idea of a bowl that might hold your life and then that you know, is ended or crushed. And then the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Um, so, in other words, the activities and the, uh, the things that you might have worked at are all gone and finished and done. And then in verse 7, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. So, uh, the idea that man came from dust and he returns to dust, that's spoken of in other places in the Bible as well. And the spirit then returning to God who gave it. And so this is important that Solomon says this because he has concluded, these are his conclusions now, 
and he has concluded that the end of life is not the end of life, that we have an eternal spirit that will uh, go to God when we die. And it's important for us to know that and to set that and to preserve that memory into our minds and into our heart before we reach the end of life, isn't it? So that we know that we are followers of Jesus and that we have our next destination. Uh, you might say we've already bought the ticket or Jesus bought the ticket for us, didn't he? And then he gave it to us. And so uh, we've, we've already got the ticket in hand and we know where we're going next. And that's important for us. So let's, let's read on now. Um, in verse 8, he just repeats that phrase that he said many times. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. All of the activities of man are vanity. God, the activities of God are the thing that matters. I think that's a conclusion. Then, um, let me read verses 9 and 10. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, and he pondered, searched out, and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. That almost feels to me like it was written by another person who was helping him to conclude this book, um, but talking about the activities of Solomon that he did write down many proverbs and um, also much knowledge because he, I think in historical records, you know, he studied many things, the types of animals and all sorts of things that are not, you know, in the Bible here. And he sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. So he tried his best to write all of these things down. And of course, you know, if you were the king, you're not sitting there writing it yourself. You have people who are writing it for you. Now let's read verses um, 11 and 12. The words of wise men are like goads, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. Now, to me, um, you know, it, it may be this other person who, who possibly wrote these words, but it also in some ways sounds like something Solomon would have said. The words of wise men are like goads. A goad, you probably know, is a is something that they poke the cattle with to get them to go in the right direction. You know, maybe a sharp stick or something like that that they poke the cattle with. So it says the words of wise men are like goads. You know, we don't want to be poked with a sharp stick. None of us do. But at the same time, words of wisdom, if they will poke us to guide us in the right direction, I guess you might say, then it's for our own good and for our benefit, isn't it? 
if we will accept those words of wisdom and go ahead and, you know, follow the, their guidance, then we're going to go in the right direction. And that's important that we humble ourselves and follow guidance. And then it says, uh, masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. A well-driven nail or a tent stake um, is another uh, way that this might be referred to because in the Hebrew, you know, that that was the way that it might have been referred. But we know what a well-driven nail is. It's a nail that was it's not crooked. It's not coming out. It, it's, it's, you know, it's in there. It's secure. And it's holding this something together. You know, it's, it's a strong support for a board or whatever. And so those who master these collections of Solomon's wisdom are like well-driven nails. They're solid. They are firmly planted. Um, and then it says they are given by one shepherd. I thought that was very interesting because we, we have one shepherd um, our Lord who we follow and though Solomon is the writer of these things we must remember that the one who gave him the wisdom in the first place is our creator God who chose to give him that wisdom so that he could write these things down and told him what to write and the same for the other books of the Bible you know these men were not just writing off the top of their heads, but God guided them in what to write so that we would have these words to study. It's very important. The book then, the Bible, being given by one shepherd um, as he guided these men in what to write. Um, and then the conclusion, verse 13. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person for God will bring every act to judgment everything which is hidden whether it is good or evil so after all the observations that Solomon has made this is his conclusion fear God and keep his commandments because as he has concluded, the activities of man are a vapor, they're temporary, they're, you know, s small and minuscule in comparison to who God is and what God is doing. We are participants in what God is doing. We try to be a part of it or do our part, I guess you might say. But what God is doing is so much bigger than, than we are. And he also says this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it's good or evil. I think that is an encouragement for us in these days that we have faced, particularly this week with the things we've seen on television about Afghanistan and 
the uh, soldiers being killed and Christians, you know, the stories we're hearing of Christians being killed and Christians trying to get out of that country and unable to do so and um, just all of the things that we've we've heard that have happened this week. You know, we we must keep our eyes on God because God is still in control. We look at those things and we might say, well, God's not in control. It looks like the devil is in control right there. But God is still in control. We don't understand uh, all the things that he does and why he does them or allows them to happen, we'll say. But there is, there is a bigger motive that is at work. You know, if we hear about Christians being killed and it causes us to pray more than we have in, in recent days, if it causes people's hearts to be uh, revived, that they might be called out to missions to share the gospel in to Afghani people who are coming to the U.S., if if those things have an influence in that way, then, you know, that's a bigger picture than the way that we look at it. We just look at, you know, the, the worst um, things that are happening. And then he also says here, God will bring every act to judgment, whether good or evil. And that's important for us to know that the things we do or choose to do or not do will be brought to judgment, but that we have followed Jesus and we, like I said before, we have our, our ticket has already been bought for us to know where we're going. But the evil that seems to be rampant and people seem to be getting away with it uh, will be brought to judgment because God sees everything he remembers everything. He knows what people have done, whether they thought that it was hidden or not. And he will bring those things to judgment um, at the end of all time. So thank you for studying through Ecclesiastes with me. It's been fascinating and it gives us a good reminder of the wonderful God that we serve and how he uh, has his hand upon the earth and how uh, the things that he does are eternal. And when this next um, week then will be a new quarter and we're going to begin the study in Philippians, which should be interesting. That's a wonderful book and I look forward to going through that. And so I'll see you uh, next week and we'll um, begin to study that uh, new book in Philippians. So if you want to read ahead, that would be where you'd read next. Thank you for being with me and God bless and take care and stay well.